Welcome to the PT MindFlip Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Van Pelt. In this podcast, I'll be talking with physical therapists working towards their dreams, sharing their stories, sharing your stories. We'll talk about how to expand your opportunities, your mindset, and abilities as a physical therapist, allowing you to flip the script on feeling stuck as a PT in today's world towards a more fulfilling and meaningful career in this ever-evolving and amazing profession. Let's jump into today's episode. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to take a quick second to talk about a recently released new resource for physical therapists and healthcare professionals. If you're like me and wish we had gotten some kind of financial education in school, high school or college, you know, to better understand finances, know how to pay our taxes, all that good stuff, understand credit scores and credit cards, or if you're a PT and you've got a, a ton of student loans from PT school, then you really got to check out Fitbucks' new online program, Money School. Money School is going to teach you how to understand the different aspects of finances, how it comes together to create the bigger picture. Joe does a great job of breaking it down so it's easy to digest so that you can then put the pieces together and then make a plan. And he even has tools through their online platform to help you stick to your plan so that over time you get to where you want to go to be able to pay down your loans, save for retirement, be able to do the things you want to do that quite frankly, everything in life costs money, right? It takes money to be able to do those things. So if you're looking to learn how to better understand that and not go to bed so that you know, you're constantly stressing about money, this is a fantastic resource for that. Honestly, I'm only halfway, about halfway through the, the course so far. It's really well done. Joe does a really nice job of keeping it simple and not going too much on the jargon, right? We talk about PT, you know, jargon and not overcomplicating it when we're talking to our patients. Same thing here. He does a really nice job of making it simple so you can understand it, learn it, and then you can go two levels deeper of you know how to get really intricate with playing the game. So if you're interested, check out my Instagram at PT Mindflip. There's a link tree there that'll give you a link so that you can easily find it. Go check it out. And yes, if you decide to make a, a good decision, sign up for Money School, I will receive a small commission at no extra cost to you as part of getting the word out to more PTs. But even if I wasn't getting any, anything out of this, this is something that I've been waiting for from these guys since Joe came and did a workshop at Northeastern two or three years ago on understanding loans a little bit more. And I, I would still tell you to check it out because that's just what you do with something that is valuable as this. Um, this is something people are talking about as like they should charge thousands of dollars for this and they're not. So definitely take a look. It's well worth the money. It's well worth the peace of mind. You'll thank yourself later. If you have any questions, shoot me a message. Ask Joe. Whatever you got to do so you can sleep easy knowing you understand your financial health and your plan moving forward. All right. Now onto the episode. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the PT MindFlip podcast. I'm Dr. Phil Van Pelt, and today I am joined by Dr. Julie Hubbard, a former collegiate soccer player at two major universities, Penn State and later at UConn, who has just a couple close calls with ACL rehab, she knows a thing or two about that. So I asked her to come on, share her story about what she's doing, how it relates to 
physical therapy, starting your own business, that patient uh, relationship, being able to empathize with patients. So Julie, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time to hang out with me today and be on the show. Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. I really appreciate it. Of course. So for those of you who don't know, Julie is not just some random person I found off the internet or Instagram, you know, with the casual like 13,000 followers. And I was like, hey, be on the podcast. We actually went to school together at Northeastern University up in Boston. And I'm going to start with a piece here, Julie. I don't know if you remember this, because um, for me, this is like the perspective is really cool in that we took a class together called Psychosocial Aspects of Healthcare. And part of that class was uh, we had to go out into the community and we did top soccer as part of our volunteering um, efforts, right? We went on a Saturday for an hour, hung out with, with uh, you know, kids about age seven or so, some that had developmental or intellectual disabilities to help them stay active, play soccer in a very uh, inclusive environment and just try and make it fun for them. Um, and Julie, I don't know if you remember, uh, one, I really appreciate you giving me rides back from like Wells, Wellesley, I think it was. Was that where it was? Yep. Well, yeah, Wellesley, near the middle school. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, we were driving back, um, and you were, it was just before co-op, I think, and you were so concerned about being able to get a co-op position, and I just remember sitting there and be like, no, like, don't worry about it. You're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be, you're going to do fantastic. It's, you've got personal experience, and you're in this program, like, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. Um, and I think it's only more fitting that you have such a sports performance capacity with where you're working right now. And then also with what you're doing kind of individually on your own. So um, if you don't mind, would you mind sharing your story from undergrad as an athlete through uh, college soccer and then going into PT school, how you got into PT school? And then shortly after that, we'll, we'll go from there. So. Who is Julia? Yeah. How did you get to where you are today? Awesome. Okay. Um, you know, feel free to cut me off or interject at any time because the story is kind of long. That's but, okay. Um, you know, I grew up playing soccer in Pennsylvania, um, and it was always a dream of mine to play collegiate soccer. Um, so, you know, in high school, I was going through the recruitment process, and um, I got some looks from a couple of schools and eventually Penn State actually reached out and wanted me to come play for them. So I committed to Penn State um, and about three weeks later, um, you know, just as you would expect, a little bit of Murphy's Law, um, I blew my knee out for the first time. Which um, side? So this was my left knee. I okay. was at a showcase that I really didn't need to be at um, because I was already committed um, and I was basically called off of a 50-50 ball from one of my teammates. So I was just trying to decelerate, um, slow down so that I wouldn't run directly into her. Um, and I heard a big pop and that was ACL number one. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I did the rehab thing. I went to Penn State. I had two really good seasons. Um, and when I say really good, I just mean I was healthy. Uh, I didn't really run into any hiccups, and, and that was really nice and a little bit unheard of for me. Um, you know, then I kind of ran into some personal decisions. Um, you know, I loved Penn State. I thought it was a great school. I loved my teammates. Um, but I decided to just make a jump to UConn um, just because I think it was a little bit of a better fit for me soccer-wise um, with my style of play. And when I got to UConn, um, 
you know, I started very strong. I had a really good spring training and then going into the fall, you know, Murphy's Law, just as you would expect, you know, two or three games into the season, I tore my ACL again. Um, and I, this was at Harvard. I think maybe I had minimal contact with another player, but uh, by and large, another non-contact mechanism, you know, awkwardly planting and um, knee collapsing into valgus. So, and what side was that? Uh, on? that was, was that on the same side on the left side, or did you get the right that one was, that time? That was on the left side. Yeah. So right now oh, we're okay. we're two and zero for the left. Okay. Um, yep. And so again, I kind of, you know, you get super bummed out, but um, you kind of just grin and bear it. I got through seven months of rehab and then I was in our winter training facility doing you know a return to sports soccer drill essentially um non-contact again somebody passed the ball I tried to step to it um and I heard that familiar pop and landed on the ground again with ACL number three yeah um time-wise from ACL number one how many years was it from ACL number one uh to number three there uh, that must have been about a four-year span. Okay. Um, and, and that was just, like, really mentally taxing just because, you know, I was a new transfer student. I left all of my friends at Penn State. I essentially had no friends at UConn other than the soccer team. Um, and then I kept just getting hurt. And so, you know, you can't travel with the team when they're going to big games. Um, you're constantly living, you know, in the athletic training room, doing your therapy, yeah. It was just it was just a real big buzzkill. Um, it really stunk, and so that's kind of what spurred me to go to physical therapy school. Um, you know, I because I tore my ACL so many times, I had a bunch of extra eligibility, so I was able to get my bachelor's and my master's degree in sport management. Um, in the event that I wanted to somehow incorporate sport business into my life in the future. Nice. Um, yeah, so I, I am really happy that I did that. I grabbed that degree. Um, and then I, you know, obviously started Northeastern with you in the winter of 2015. Um, and so, you know, going through PT school, I tried to stay active. I'd work out. I'd run. Um, and then on our, let's see, our second clinical, I actually moved out to San Diego. Um gorgeous place but I also kind of reverted back to what I did when I was younger and that was you know how do you make friends oh you make friends by playing soccer so I joined a social sports league and um, Murphy's Law again in the first game I you know cut and blew my knee out for the fourth time and this was actually on my good leg Um, Uh. yeah so three left one right zero new friends and a plane ticket home from San Diego. Um, So that was by far the worst obstacle that I have faced so far. Um, And honestly, I'm lucky to say that because, you know, by and large people in my life are healthy. I'm healthy. You know, it's, it's an orthopedic injury. It's not the end of the world, but um, it was kind of the end of mine. So you know, going through clinical three and then into boards and my first job, it was kind of like, okay, who am I now? Who am I without soccer? 
like realistically, I can't really continue to play soccer. I can't afford a fifth ACL. Um, you know, it, it keeps you out of work. You know, I'm an adult now. I've got bills to pay. Um, I don't have endless hours to spend in the training room rehabbing. Um, and they hurt, you know. So, you know, I, I kind of came to the realization of, okay, no more soccer. So who is Julie Hubbard without soccer? Um, and honestly, felt like I struggled with it for months and months and months and um, got really depressed and really kind of down on myself about my career path and, you know, is it even what I wanted to be doing and, um, you know, a lot of like heavier things. And so that actually kind of prompted me to create this blog. Um, and I titled it Just for Kicks because at first I was writing it just for kicks. It was just a way for me That's to, simple, huh? wow. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Just a way for me to kind of express myself and, um, you know, hopefully help somebody and, um, a way to stay involved in sport. So, you know, obviously when you retire from athletics, um, you always have a smoother transition if you somehow stay involved with the sport that you love. <clears throat> so I started this blog just for kicks and, um, you know, before I knew it, it kind of started to get some traction. A lot of people were like strangely finding the website. Um, I created a business Instagram account, um, you know, and I was getting people to follow me. It was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. So, um, you know, it kind of started to take off. Um, I started to write more regularly, um, post more regularly on Instagram. I, you know, eventually turned it into its own LLC um, because my, my current company now, Athletic Evolution, um, they are located up in Woburn. It's a sport strength and conditioning facility. They basically found me from my Instagram um, and my online presence and kind of recruited me to join their team. Very so cool. when they did, yeah, it was awesome. When they did that, they actually asked me to make Just for Kicks Boston into its own LLC. Um, so I am an independent contractor there with my company. And it offers, you know, a whole bunch of different services um, from, you know, your ACL prevention um, to return to sport. I do online remote training um, and I do free educational workshops for anyone within a 50 mile radius. Um, I've been stepping outside of that a little bit recently just because there is a demand for it. But basically, like, I was able to this thing that I, I did as an outlet and a way to kind of cope with the loss of sport has um, turned into a vehicle to help a ton of people. Um, and it's been awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of my story. I know it's a little bit long winded, but. It's no, are you kidding? That cool. is I, like, I'm sorry that you were at a time um, where it was a really rough road internally for you. Um, kind of like you said, like, yeah, you know, generally great health, but I mean, I've, I've had my own injuries and I know what that feels like to suddenly kind of have the rug taken out from underneath of you. It feels like of you're very capable, you're athletic, you're strong. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, you're done. And you're like, wait, yeah, wait, what? Exactly. You're like doubting your physical capabilities. Like, um, you know, this skill that I crafted for 20 plus years and was decently good at, like I suddenly can't do anymore. And, um, you know, I actually wrote my master's thesis on uh, athletic identity and termination of sport, you know, athletic retirement and, and the toll that it takes on you. Um, 
So I then got to experience it firsthand. Uh, obviously, I wasn't playing at a professional level or anything like that. Um, but it was just that was my way of making friends. That was my method of being social. Um, and so it was taken away from me one day and I had to come up with some way to cope. So I started writing and uh, it's been case. a, a yeah, absolutely. Man. Yeah. So I'm going to go back a little bit in time. Um, how would you compare your, like, your experience as a patient from the first rehab process, the second to the third, to you know, now the fourth, because the fourth one was kind of during post, uh, towards the end of PT school, right? We were on clinical rotations, I think you said, that after the second one, or around the time of the second mm -hmm. one. Um, yep. What kind of trends or themes did you, or changes or uh positives on one or negatives on the other did you see across your four stints of ACL rehab um, from the different PTs and groups you, you may have worked with? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I've been really, really lucky because I've had some of the best work on me, some of the best physical therapists and athletic trainers work on me. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that I've taken away from all of it is to never forget like the human aspect of healthcare. Um, I think, you know, we briefly talked about this before you started recording, but there so often in healthcare, um, do we kind of lose that aspect and we have to push for numbers and deadlines and um, it can get a little bit more businessy um, than humanistic, the reason why we got in. So um, with my ATs and my PTs, you know, I had one athletic trainer at UConn named Katie Dan, who has probably been one of the most influential people in my life, um, just in terms of the way that she treats her patients. So when a patient comes through the door now for me, I am less interested in what's going on orthopedically um, than like who they are. I need to know who they are, what makes them tick, um, how they're feeling emotionally, mentally, um, and then we can start to heal physically. Um, and you know, without diving into too much of like the psychosocial aspects, and you know, obviously we're not licensed um, social workers or anything like that, but I think that it's really, really important to connect with your patient, to hear their concerns, to empathize with them and say, you know, I know this stinks. Um, or, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but I can only imagine that it stinks. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. We're going to come up with a game plan and we're going to get you past it. Um, so I think that that's probably the most impactful lesson that I've learned through all of it. Um, followed by the lesson that, you know, I'm not going to make you better. You're going to make you better and you're going to sweat a little bit while we do it. So um, you know, all my patients come through the door and they know that they're going to get a workout. Um, the whole idea of going to PC in khakis for a back rub is thrown out the door. <laughs> Everyone knows that if I say, hey, how's that exercise going? And if you say easy, then game on, you know, yeah. I'm going to load you up or to change it somehow. Um, so I think that those are probably the two biggest takeaways that I've learned. Um, and definitely things that you can't necessarily read out of a book or um, learn in a classroom. That's awesome. I, I'm going to take it a step superficially because you talked about uh, khakis. What is your typical attire <laughs> when you're working? Maybe the khakis, Sperry's, boat shoes, and like a you know short sleeve polo. Like, 
I'm guilty of it myself no, with home health because people expect it, but um, sure. it, it kills me a little bit inside. <laughs> I know. No, in the clinic, we're business casual. Okay. Um, you know, so something a little bit dressier, but then the really cool thing about Athletic Evolution is that I am a PC for 30 hours. I am a strength coach for 10 hours. Um, so, you know, I'll wear my Lulu and my uh, whatever, T-shirts and sneakers. And then um, I'm able to take whatever Just for Kicks clients that I want after my hours. Um, so I'll essentially turn it to soccer seats, soccer shorts. Um, we'll set up the nets and we'll get going. So I kind of change outfits throughout the day. Um, but it's a nice way to kind of to mix up the routine and, and uh, take a little bit of a break. Very cool. Uh, so you, you started, the, you had the blog and you were doing that for a little while. And then I think you were working at a different outpatient clinic. Um, and then you started getting traction. When did, when did you start to feel like, whoa, this is becoming a thing? Was it more so the blog or the Instagram presence or a combination? Um, what did, uh, I don't even know how to phrase the question, but. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. I think that, um, I think it was both. It was the way that I used Instagram to promote my, um, you could say brand or my blog, um, just because I chose that mode of social media to market. Um, I'm not on uh, what Facebook or Snapchat or any of those other ones. Uh, I solely use Instagram uh, because I think that it is the quickest, the easiest, and I think that it reaches the most people um, with minimal effort. Um, so I know that a lot of the kids are on there. A lot of the parents are surprisingly on there. And what I did was I essentially marketed my soccer experience and, um, you know, my sport management experience, my physical therapy experience. And I targeted a lot of very specific populations. Um, so the majority of my followers, I do have some clinicians, which is great because I like to kind of banter in the comments or the DMs about why I do things the way that I do or pick the brains of somebody else. Or um, I found different mentors that now I connect with regularly and try to learn from. Um, but the majority of my followers are actually soccer players and they range anywhere from, you know, maybe 10, 11, probably more so the 13 to um, 21 age range. Um, about 50, 50 guys and girls. Um, you know, I was marketing more towards female athletes, um, but I found that there's a need, you know, uh, across the spectrum. So, um, you know, guys, girls, ages 10 to 25 with the majority of them falling in that high risk um, ACL category of, you know, like 13 to 21 um, and parents and coaches. Um, so that's kind of how I got my blog out there was through Instagram. I used that medium. Um, and then with the blog, obviously I tried to know my audience. I tried to keep it um, simple, tried to kind of educate the masses on complicated PT concepts but keeping them fairly easy to digest. Um, you know, keep my language user-friendly, um, incorporate a little bit of humor, maybe like a gif or a gif or whatever the kids call them these days. Uh, <laughs> you know, like make it a little yeah. bit fun to read um, and give, give readers like a little, a little bit of me. So like yeah. if you, you kind of read through the blog, some of them are like kind of funny and they, they incorporate little pieces of my life, but um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I 
found my space in, in social media and, and I guess in the sport industry was by kind of combining those two resources. I've only um, like casually glanced at a, a few articles. I think this was more so when it was more solely a blog, um, more mm -hmm. in the beginning. And then I think I yep. checked it out. You know, I was like, oh, let, let me see what Julie's up to. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, like LLC. I was like, oh, nice. And then I looked and saw the different services you offer. Um, you know, for workshops as a as a free resource for people, and then also as like a uh, what do you call it? Do you call it like performance enhancement or injury like ACL injury minimization risk program like what what do you kind of define that as because I, I hate using the term injury prevention um, I know you can't quite I do prevent too. injury um, I and do this too. is not I a judgmental question I'm just curious what you use yeah no I actually I struggled with that same question internally but um, you know injury prevention is a buzzword it's in the literature so I feel a little bit better about using it um, you know, obviously yeah, you, you can't prevent all injuries, but that is the term that kind of catches people's eyes. So I use, um, ACL prevention and performance enhancement just because, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to, they don't care about injury prevention. Um, you know, if I'm talking to a U13 or a U14 elite girls, um, travel team or club team, um, and I say ACL prevention, they say, oh, great, like, maybe I'll get back to you next month and, and maybe we can kind of sit down and, and carve out some time. But if I market it more as performance enhancement, you know, hey, I'm going to get your girls quicker, faster, better, stronger. They're going to be better athletes. Um, you're going to see your numbers go up. Then coaches are a lot more likely to kind of bite. Um, so I kind of package them together. Um, and I kind of say they don't go, you don't get one without the other. It's injury prevention is performance enhancement um yeah. and it needs to be done so that's kind of that's what i call it um and then obviously i offer the services of acl prevention so um all individualized stuff um return to sport the return to sport i'll do a formal assessment with the different tests strength measures power measures endurance measures um neuromuscular control measures um, and then we'll go through a program and I'll periodically reevaluate and eventually clear the athlete to return to sport. Um, and then I do online remote strength training. So I've got clients in California, Florida, uh, just program for, and then those workshops. Uh, so they all kind of fall under the umbrella of ACL prevention and performance enhancement. Nice. I, th I think that's a good way of doing it. You know, it's, it's kind of that uh, internal and industry dilemma of, Injury prevention isn't like the greatest of terms, but it's not, it's wrong, but it's not totally wrong. It's what people know and a whole bunch of Right, right. Oh, okay. You know, you gotta use what will grab somebody's eye. Um, and unfortunately that's the, the current lingo, but um, you know, I'll try to educate everyone during the workshops or whether it be return to sport or ACL prevention. It's like, this is not 100% uh, effective, but we're gonna make you move better um and hopefully mitigate any risk of the the things that we can control so um that's that's kind of an important caveat that's on like all the waivers and, and everything is that injury is not 100 percent preventable but we will do our best to control and decrease your of non-contact mechanism absolutely um have you thought about and i don't hopefully i don't put you on the spot with it kind of like what your dream or your goals are you know in let's say Two, let's say three to five years from now in terms of what you want just for kicks to turn into or um, what it'll look like how you'll adapt and morph it because you're like oh you know I'd really like to be able to incorporate 
X, Y, and Z. Maybe that's like telehealth. You kind of mentioned you already do some online consulting, but um, is there any goals that you have for yourself and just for kicks going forward? Um, that you're willing to share? If you you don't know, want to do that, oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. Um, the thing is, like, I never really want, like, I, it's not that I didn't want a company. I just didn't think it was going to happen. Like, it just kind of, it was my way of coping um, and trying to do good and, um, like, help people genuinely just provide, like, free help. Um, and then it kind of turned into a, a source of income um, and, and, you know, a, a second job. Um, so I guess in the future, in the next three to five years, what I really would like to see is um, personal growth, I guess, above all. Um, continuing to help people, genuinely connect with people, um, spread education um, without, you know, a price tag of, you know, people constantly are like, you know, why are you driving up to Nashua to talk to these teams? And it's like, because, because it helps. Nice like, do, yeah. you know, like, so I, in the next three to five years, I would like to help a lot more people. Um, I would like to get other good people involved in the brand. Um, so whether that means franchising it and, you know, throwing a just for kicks like Miami or, or LA or something like that, I think that that would be really, really cool. But also staying really loyal to um, the reason why I started it. Um, and that's strictly to do good and to, to help. Um, so that's above all what I want from it. And then, um, you know, I'll continue to do my physical therapy thing and real job on the side. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that, that's like, I mean, who am I to decide or judge, but I think that's perfect. Um, I, that's like everything that I want to hear and that I want for other therapists, right? Is this idea of staying true to the values and the human aspect that humanity and that desire for connection and to be able to share our knowledge and clinical expertise just like for the good of it because so many people can benefit from what we know and it, it's it's amazing how much people don't know like about the simplest things of nutrition and sleep as a recovery tool to exercise you know how to best incorporate and then when it comes to you know big things like this of a torn ACL. I, I worked with a girl um, about a year ago. She had torn her ACL, left it for like three years, and then she had surgery. <laughs> so, because she had like another small, small injury, um, and it, it's amazing. Like she knew she tore, she knew she hurt her knee really bad, um, and then she kind of tweaked it again. And they went in and looked on the MRI, and like this thing is clearly like. Torn. And then they confirmed that um, when they went in and did the surgery, like this was not a new tear. This was not a new injury. Um, she just kind of had an ex exacerbation of it. Um, oh, it was a complete tear. Uh, and just like people don't. And it's so important, I think, for us to, to share that with anybody and everybody who's willing to listen, because it's only going to help improve, I think, quality of life and enjoyment of whatever activity it is that people are doing whether that's basketball or soccer or just being able to run and be active when we're getting older as older adults. Um, I just love hearing that stuff. Like, Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I wish that when I was growing up that I had 
kind of known about the risks. Um, you know, I remember distinctly sitting in a car with my mom one day, um, and this was pre-ACL number one. Um, this is maybe after I committed to Penn State, and she said, you know, Julie, <clears throat> what will you do if you, you know, hurt yourself and you can't play soccer anymore? Um, because she could kind of see me putting all my eggs in that basket. Uh, I always wanted to play professional soccer. Um, it's all I ever, you know, eat, breathe, drink, whatever, soccer, yeah. always. Soccer on the brain. Um, and that's who I fully and exclusively identified with was being an athlete. And she could kind of see that. Um, so when she asked me that question, I just kind of like laughed it off. And I was like, you're insane. Like, I'm never going to hurt myself. Um, and so a decade later, here I am with uh, – arthritic knees and uh for acl scars and um you know i think it's just it's something that we need to talk about it's something that a lot of kids don't know about um and i think that one of the important pieces at least with my workshops and lectures is that um i try not to scare kids like it, it can be scary like if you look at the research and the statistics like yeah like females okay eight times maybe even sometimes 12 times more likely to tear the acl when playing um high risk sports like soccer all right that's kind of scary and then when you look at retail rates as high as you know 20 25 30 percent um with a, an equal risk of tearing on the contralateral side okay yeah that's pretty scary um but i think that the big piece at least with my workshops is that I kind of said, you know, here's the risk. Yes, I tore my ACL, but it doesn't mean that it ends your life. It doesn't mean that it even ends your career. Um, you can get back up and continue to play at a very, very high level, and it stinks while you're going through it, but you get through it, and you learn a lesson, and that's life. Um, so I think that not only educating the masses is important, but also just instilling a little bit of hope um, and, and motivation and just being like, you know, if it happens, it happens. And trust me, you'll get through it. Um, so I think that, that that's another piece of, of why I'm, I'm kind of going around and, and educating people. I love it. I'm going to ask you one more question. Actually, two more. Uh, one, do you have a book recommendation for people? Maybe a book you read recently that you like? Um, are we talking clinical or? Uh, this could be anything. This could be, you know, uh, just a personal enjoyment, you know, fun book. It could be a personal development book. It could be a clinical uh, professional development, whatever you like. Um, I mean, the one that's currently sitting on my coffee table is Bridging the Gap from Rehab to Performance by Sue Falzoni. Um, and I thought that was phenomenal. Um, I'm just about finished with that. I think I have like one chapter left. Um, but I really, really like that. And then, um, you know, I'm a big audio book person in the car. Um, so I have a couple of those. Uh, one was by like Eckerd Toll. Um, and it was basically about like controlling your, uh, controlling the controllables in your life to kind of reduce anxiety and, and be more present and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's actually probably what I was listening to when I was kind of first starting the blog was, you know, what can I control? Um, you know, how can I take all the steps to, to kind of make myself feel a little bit better? Um, and that was kind of what for just for kicks, I guess. Awesome. If you guys that are listening want to learn more about just for kicks, you can visit her online at just 
four, the number four, just four kicks boston.com. And then you can find it on Instagram at Dr. J Hubsy. That's D R J H U B B S Y on Instagram, Dr. J Hubsy. Um, Julie, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> we figured out the audio situation from before. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> thanks for hanging out. Those of you that are listening, thanks for listening. Uh, reach out. Let me know what you thought of this episode. I guess I should start asking people to like rate and subscribe and you know let me know what you think. Um, if you've got a story that you'd like to hear or you have a story yourself, definitely reach out to me. I'd love to have you on. Share your story. Let people know. Um, and I think a big lesson that people can take away from this because a lot of people get into PT right from their own sports experience is that if you're in a job that you just aren't really psyched with, but there's something, some hobby or something, that activity that you love, I am quite sure that you can do something that's very similar that Julie did of turning that into an aspect of what you do in your everyday life. And I, that's something I want for everybody to be able to really, really love what they do. Um, it may take a little work, it may take a little bit of grind, but you guys can get there. Just remember that. You are very capable. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're very resourceful because I'm not easy to find. Go out there, kick butt, love what you do, and help some people along the way because that's the most important thing. Julie, thank you so much, and we will catch everyone on the other side.